Jesus, we declare the centrality of you and your name and your presence. It's because of Jesus that we're here. And Jesus, you are Lord of the universe. And we celebrate that this morning. Your presence, your power, your glory, all that you are. And I pray that we would begin to just get a glimpse of who you are and all your power and glory. And God, that you would build our faith in Jesus. That we would know and, and, and become closer and closer to you on a daily basis. Thank you for honoring us with your presence, Jesus. May we never take that for granted. And I pray that as we focus on you, all the things that we carried in with us that, that, that burdened us down and kept us weighed down and worried and distracted would just fade with the reality of, of the fact that, Jesus, you are here in this house. You are here. You are on the throne. You are in control. We have nothing to fear nothing to fear because Jesus you are here and I pray God that you would raise us up as a people of faith that see you in your glory father transform our lives today we are opening our hearts to you we've worshiped you and I just pray that you would now take the the living word and you would encourage us change us today that we would be different because we are here today and we're going to thank you in advance for that because we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Again, I want to thank the worship team for ushering us into the presence of God. Music and worship are very powerful. And when we open ourselves up, God changes our lives, transforms us. The Bible contains many stories of supernatural events. These are events which cannot be explained by our logic or reason or the human mind. These events are beyond natural, they're supernatural or supranatural. People today are fascinated by the supernatural. The supernatural permeates our culture in, in books, movies, video games, and television programs. Think about the Lord of the Rings, where the possessor of this ring endows one with supernatural powers. We have animated films that all require belief in the supernatural, unseen forces that engage in the real, in the visible world. Then there are epic big screen movies like Avatar, which require entering into the fantasy and that there's a, a world we really don't understand, a parallel universe or supernatural powers that engage in our real, visible world, doing things we cannot. With a world obsessed with the supernatural, it's no wonder that our culture actually is fascinated with biblical stories, biblical accounts. The Bible records many accounts of the supernatural. In the New Testament, we 
read about supernatural acts, particularly by Jesus, signs and wonders, healings, even raising of the dead. But Jesus is not on earth anymore. Or is he? Didn't he die? Yes, but he was resurrected. So, then he went back to heaven, the Bible teaches. And then as we studied the last two Sundays, Jesus sent his spirit to indwell and empower his followers. When Jesus sent his spirit to live in his followers, they didn't need a magic ring or a wand. They didn't need special words with hidden messages. The supernatural works that Jesus did while he was on earth continued through his followers as they were indwelt by his spirit called the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to look at the first dramatic supernatural event recorded in Acts following the day of Pentecost. The main characters in this account are Peter and John and a lame man. Okay? This is look before you leap. Look before you leap. And I'd like us to turn to Acts 3. Acts the third chapter. And read verses 1 through 10 and then verse 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. It was three in the afternoon, and Peter and John, being good, devout Jews, were observing the Jewish times of worship. They were on their way to the temple to pray when they came upon something that was actually quite common back then. It's actually quite common in American cities today where you see someone that's needy, whether they're homeless or uh, they're helpless or something, by the side of the road, typically. Most often, people asking for help stand and sit at intersections with a sign where most people are likely to drive by. We see people in need around us. This man sat at the entrance to the temple. What better place is there to beg? Okay. Why? 
for religious people, giving of alms to the poor and needy was part of earning their merit before God. So you want to earn some merit, then you give to the needy. And besides, who could pass by and ignore him and then go and pray in a clear conscience? This story is about a man in need, a look of faith, and God's power that transforms a life. Let's start with need. Let's start with need. We're going to talk about four principles of life changing faith. Four principles. First one is we all have needs. We all have needs. This man had a congenital difficulty centered in his feet. In the original language of the Greek, the word koles means lame with paralysis in the base or heels of his feet in the socket of the ankle. Did you get all that? Okay. Problem with his ankle. Those of you in the medical profession can probably describe this situation in detail. His bones were out of place. They had been out of place since birth. He was unable to walk. They had no surgical techniques. They had no therapy to correct this situation. They had no wheelchairs. They had no mechanical means to make up for the loss of the function of limbs. Now today, we, we have, a, have a friend who actually works for a company who design and produce prosthetics of all kinds, primarily for military personnel who have lost their limbs in war. And amazingly, most men and women can begin to function semi-normally again with the help of prosthetics. It's an amazing science. But in this day, the prosthetics didn't exist. So this man was totally helpless. He was at the mercy of others to carry him to and from the place where he begged every day. This man knew nothing else. He had experienced nothing else for 40 years. 40 years. All he had known from his first days of life until now was poverty, rags, helplessness, and dependence on others for his entire existence. Try to grasp his circumstances. It's vital for us to understand his desperate situation to understand the nature of this miracle. We have many people around us in our world today. Perhaps some of you here this morning who can identify with this man. It, it might be a physical need, or it may be a need that you experienced most of your life. It might be a, a paralysis of a different kind. Fear, depression, maybe abuse or unforgiveness. Resentment, maybe paralyzed by the past, deeply wounded by marital unfaithfulness or divorce, or paralyzed by the present, unable to deal with the present or a difficult relationship, a son or daughter you cannot handle, an aging parent that is too much for your strength and resources. It might be a deep spiritual need, an inner longing for meaning in life, some are paralyzed by future, the fear of the future. And in your need, searching, searching, helpless and powerless. This man, this handicapped man, represents for us the person each and every one of us is at times in our life. Things that we've experienced. 
needs we have, feeling helpless, powerless, and maybe never having known anything different but to always be dealing with that helplessness or that feeling. The need has been part of our life so long that we have reluctantly accepted our fate and just decided we just need to cope. Nothing can change, nothing will change, powerless, and most of us don't know the solution. And what we think may be the solution may not be the solution. Which brings us to the second principle of faith. We all need to look to something or someone to fill that need. Something or someone to fill that need. What did this man think was his solution? What was the man there to receive? What was his hope? What was his goal? What was his expectation? Why was he at the temple gate? To get money. He wanted money. All this man knew was that in order to survive, he needed cash. So he went every day, day in and day out, to get cash, alms. There's nothing wrong with getting a little cash. People work for cash, steal cash, sell things for cash, even gamble in an attempt to increase their cash. Cash money solves some problems, but money did not solve the man's real problem, his paralysis. This man's solution was not the solution. As we today sit in our paralyzed state, many times we think we know the solution. I know what I need. I've been rich. I've been poor. Rich is better. Okay? You can say that. Our answer may be more money or shopping to get rid of depression or escaping the pain by partying with friends or more counseling or comfort foods or alcohol or drugs or internet pornography. What is your greatest need? And what is your solution to your need? What do you do to stop the pain? Our solutions are not always the solution. This man thought he had the solution. And we find, thirdly, in our need, God does some things, four things. When Peter and John came by, he asked them for money. And Peter starts by saying, look at us. Look at us. Peter did four things for this man, the same four things God does for us in our need. First of all, he gets, gets our attention. Gets our attention. Has God ever gotten your attention? He's pretty good at getting our attention, isn't he? How does God get our attention? Judy had a brother named Carl, who was not a believer. And God got his attention gradually over time. One of the first things that happened is he was rear-ended at a stoplight by a drunk driver. Just totally, he had a big, one of those big pickups, and it was totaled by someone that just ran into the rear end. And what he said was, you know, I usually ride my motorcycle to work, but the battery was dead, so I took the pickup that day. God was starting to get Carl's attention. 
little later, Carl contracted cancer. And it was through the health issue of cancer that Carl came to faith in Jesus Christ, getting his attention. How does God get our attention? Usually by a circumstance that's bigger than we can handle. We don't need a natural solution. We need supernatural help. I need God's help. I need God. So Peter got this man's attention, said, look at us, look at us. Then he redirected his focus, redirected his focus. The man's focus was on the ordinary, money, silver, and gold. And Peter says, I don't have any of that. I don't have money. I can't fulfill that expectation. Then he redirected his focus and said, but what I have, I give to you. Dramatic. This man did not expect the impossible. Walk? It's impossible. I've been living like this for 40 years. And Peter redirected his focus from the natural to the supernatural, the possible to the impossible, the from money to healing. Sometimes we need to have our focus redirected. Our solution is not the solution because God has a better plan. What are, what are you focusing on as a solution to your problem, your challenge? Redirect a different paradigm, a paradigm shift. We say, show me the money. And God says, I got something better. I got something better. Then Peter did something else. He raises his expectancy. He raises our expectancy. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Well, that's, that's a real shift. He tells him to walk. The, the simplest definition of faith is look. Look. I'm helpless. I can't do it. I have a great need. I'm not trying it myself any longer. So I look to someone else, to something else. The question is, what or who do I look to for my solution? What do I look to for my solution? If you're like me, you try everything that you can do first. Because we lift ourselves up by our bootstraps. We find a solution. We do what we need to do. And then when we get to the end, we go, I guess I can't do it. This man looked to Peter and John. And what did he do? What did they do? He was redirected to whom? Jesus. Jesus. Expectancy is the essence of faith. Looking expectantly, not to our solutions, not to other people, not to what we can do, but looking to Jesus. Realizing we need a miracle. We need the supernatural. And that comes through Jesus. Faith has to have an object, a focus. And this focus, the focus of this object is Jesus. The supernatural things that Jesus did were passed on to his followers. Okay? I've talked about the fact as we, as we move through Acts we are the extension of the book of Acts. We are the legacy. We have this legacy that goes way back in time. And we are the ones that receive the spirit of the living God 
through which God does supernatural things. It's his spirit. It's his power. It's his authority. And he says, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus wasn't some formula. You have to be in relationship with Jesus to utilize the authority. But he said, in the name of Jesus, because I have this relationship with the living God and I'm filled with the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He had the authority. When we say in the name of Jesus, it's not invoking some magic formula, mantra, or spell. We are acting with the authority and power of Jesus, carrying out his plan and his purpose. Jesus is boss. He's the Lord of the universe. He has the power and authority to do supernatural things. And in this case, he healed this man. The look was a look of faith. Not faith in faith, but faith in Jesus. He had to have this look of faith before he could leap. The look of faith had to start with that. Faith has to have an object. This man's object, his faith, was redirected to Jesus. Verse 16 says, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. Faith in the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus. Where is your look directed? Where's your look directed? At what is your faith focused on? God the Holy Spirit is here today to get our attention, to redirect our focus, and raise our expectancy. And in our need, God calls us to act on our faith. This lame man had friends or family that helped him every day. They carried him to the temple and carried him home. But they had grown to accept this man's handicap as normal, inevitable, insurmountable. They needed to accept what was. And many of us are willing to help this people, people this way, helping them to learn to deal with their paralysis. Just accept the fact your marriage is over. You have cancer, the end is inevitable. Your kids are never going to come to faith, accept it. Learn to cope with depression, you'll have to live with it the rest of your life. Face it, you're going to never get out of debt, and on and on and on. These friends helped him cope. And we need to help people cope. But Peter and John helped him see the possibility of healing. Raised his expectancy. They acted in faith, reached out, touched the man, grasped his right hand, and helped him stand up. Then called on him to act on his faith. It says, as Peter was lifting him up, he was healed. He was healed. Peter, exercising that part of the miracle. In every miracle, there's a point of action. Do we just help people cope, or do we help people be healed? Do we help people just cope, or do we help people overcome? Peter exercised his faith, and this man responded in faith. And verse 7 and 8, it says, 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. This guy didn't waste any time. Didn't have to test anything. And those of us here this morning who are believers, God wants us to bring healing to people around us. Physical healing to those who are sick, emotional healing to the distressed, personal healing, inter, intrapersonal healing for relationships, spiritual healing for those who need to know God. But it's more than just words, it's action, taking action. See, God's empowering Holy Spirit is the same today as it was in Acts 3. God's power didn't lose effect because it was 2,000 years ago. It's the same power, the same faith, the same Jesus. God wants to use us to bring healing. I've shared this story before because God uses ordinary people to pray, believe, and see healing, to see miracles. We had a young couple, Charles and Jennifer, in our church in Tacoma, Washington, who were pregnant with their second child. Jennifer was almost full term. And earlier in that week, she had gone into the doctor and they discovered that the baby was in a breech position. And it was going to be a very difficult delivery. They said, you're going to probably have to have a C-section. During worship service that morning, as we often did, as we had some time for prayer, and Jennifer came forward from prayer. I, I, did, I was unaware of the situation, but one of, our, one of our prayer team went up and prayed for Jennifer, and she told her what the problem was. And so Jane... Put her, put her hands on her st stomach on the baby and prayed for her and prayed that this would be healed. The baby moved. They, they both felt that. Both of them felt this movement and they wondered what, what exactly happened. But it, something happened dramatically. She could feel the difference in shape, everything. Monday morning, she went in, and the doctor said, your baby is in perfect birth position. Now, did that just happen? No. She came forward by faith, wanting prayer, and Jane prayed for her by faith, laid hands on her, took action, and prayed for healing. A week later, perfectly healthy baby girl. God does miracles. The fourth principle of faith, God's power is released through faith. Faith. The last part is 16, chapter, verse 16. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. They said, this is why it happened. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him. This power comes 
through faith, through Jesus. The primary faith we receive when we believe in Jesus becomes powerful faith to believe that nothing is impossible. 2 Peter 1.4 says, We are partakers of the divine nature. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians talks about the gifts of the Spirit. This character of Jesus is transplanted into you and me by his Holy Spirit. The power that was resident in Jesus is the power that resides in you. And the purpose of that power is not to sit around and celebrate what we have. And we ought to celebrate what we have. But it's to be used to reach out and heal the paralyzed around us. And if you are here today with that need, the power of Jesus can take care of that need. How does that happen? Earlier in Jesus' life, he encountered a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus asked him some penetrating questions, and Jesus told him, you have to be born again. When he clarified that, Jesus drew a parallel between physical birth and the beginning of new life and spiritual birth, which is the beginning of spiritual life. And he told Nicodemus he needed to be born spiritually. Then he said, God loves you so much, he sent Jesus to live for you, to die for you, so you could enter a relationship with God. One only has to believe in Jesus, faith, turning from ourself, ask God for forgiveness, and giving our life to him. That's the first step. And the result is being born again. A life transformation. All of our homes are powered by electricity. And electricity is generated by a power plant. The power plant has wires that connect to your house. And you can have all the power you need at the power plant, and you can have all the need at the house, but if it doesn't connect with wires, it doesn't do any good. God is the power source. We are the home. Faith connects the power to the source. Faith. Faith connects us to, is the conduit to, the pathway, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to our life. Look, by faith, to Jesus. He can transform your life and bring healing. It's a mission for all of us. Let's pray.